Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. Uh, my name is Grant. Today with me, I've got Austin Blake from Oklahoma City Fire Department. Uh, he, we're going to be talking about a grab that he made uh, with his crew in December of 2022. So welcome, Austin. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your fire department. Sure. So my name is Austin Blake. Uh, I'm a fireman for Oklahoma City Fire Department. Uh, I've got just under three years on the job. Uh, Oklahoma City Fire Department, we serve around 621 square miles with a population of just under 690,000. We've got 37 fire stations going on 38. Um, in 2022, our call volume and a total was just under 93,000 calls for the whole department. I'm currently stationed at uh, Station 34 on the Blue Shift, and Station 34 is located on the northwest side of Oklahoma City. I'm at a District 604 that has six stations. Station 34 is one of the busier stations in the city. I want to say last year we were the third busiest engine and the, uh, sorry, fifth busiest engine, and then the third uh, overall busiest station. So I want to say the the engine made 37, just over 3,700 rides last year. And as a station, we made just over 5,700. So dang, busy place. Pretty hey, busy. So, so uh, we know Oklahoma City is doing great things with grabs and Justin Lawrenson's doing cool stuff. Uh, tell us a bit about the search culture within your department. Um, search culture, I'd say it's pretty aggressive. Um we we do a lot of uh, oriented searches. I'd say that's primarily from for our district uh, is a lot of oriented searches. What that looks like is, you know, our officer will have a will have a tick, and he'll have what it's called two two rabbits, um, which are just firefighters on the back, and he'll kind of get a he'll get a search uh, reading uh, using that tick. You know, he's looking for a victim, fire layout, stuff like that. And he'll have one of the firefighters, you know, enter that, enter that room and and uh, single-handedly search that room. He'll have that second firefighter um, go in the opposite room, you know, and just kind of work his way up there. We also do kind of, uh, we do split searches as well. It's not super common on the northwest side, just we got bigger houses and stuff like that. Um, but we also do, uh, handle like VEISs as well. Obviously, that's more of a like a known location of the victim and uh, like a, a general idea of, hey, this is where the victim's at. So uh, stuff like that. And uh, uh, also like on this ride that specifically December 27th, we, we did more of a targeted search uh, for this for this specific incident. So nice. But, before we, before we jump into that call, I want to ask you a little bit about like when you get hired for Oklahoma City, what's the onboarding process? Like, do you guys have your own recruit academy? We do. So we go through a, a 16 week academy and um, it's pretty, pretty rough. It's a pretty physical and mental, mental challenge for the 16 weeks. And they harpered on pretty, pretty early on. Um, you know, we're here for, for three things. Well, we're here for one thing primarily, and it's life safety. Um, but, you know, they have kind of order operations of things, you know, life safety, incident stabilization, and property conservation, you know, in that order. 
uh, you know, we're here to risk a lot to save a lot and risk, risk a little, save a little risk, nothing to save nothing. So during those 16 weeks, what did the search portion look like for you guys? So, um, Justin Lorenzen and, uh, Fort Smith were in charge of the, uh, training program down when I was there and the search portions, um, we could be searching there. I, I remember specifically a couple of times we, uh, we had, uh, searches that were in a live burn, uh, building at the time. And, you know, not only would they be babies and victims inside, they would try and incorporate actually people involved into the incident. So they'd bring in outside people and kind of give you that real life scenario of dealing with, you know, people outside frantically screaming, saying my baby's inside. Obviously that adds a lot of stress, but it teaches you early on that the importance of trying to remain calm uh, and on the incident and, and making sound decisions. So. Very good. Uh, so take us to that call on December 27th and uh, tell us how that went down. Sure. Um, it was about, it was December 27th, 2022. It was about 9.50 p.m. We were dispatched to a house fire. Uh, it was 6301 Northwest 82nd Street. There were three stations that were involved. Um, station 3, Station uh, 30s, and Station 34. That specific uh, house was primarily right in the middle between the three right through the stations. So it was like two miles exactly from station 30, 2.1 from station 34, and uh, 2.4 from station three. So we were pretty much on top of each other. Dispatch en route um, gave us kind of a heads up that there were going to be occupants inside and that they were trying to find the uh, an exact location. They said it would be probably two, uh, maybe even three victims inside. So that kind of gets your wheels turning in route a little bit. And um, we were we were in route, and my captain looked back at the firefighter and I on the back of engine 34, and he said that he believes we're going to be second in. They're probably going to give engine 30 uh, to go in for the rescue. So we'll probably in charge of fire attack. He looked back and said, if we are fire attack, I want the recruit, which was recruit Jimenez at the time to pull a line to the front door. And then himself and my, uh, him and me would go in and assist with the rescue. So, you know, 604 arrives on scene, which is our district chief, chief Merrill. He, he gave his on scene report of a, uh, single story type five residential structure fire showing from the Delta uh, Delta side window reports of uh, two victims out. The third one was the grandmother who actually was able to get out on their own. Um, and possibly going to be on the Charlie Delta side uh, of the house. So we arrive on scene engine 30 actually was in charge of the rescue. They had um, a, a hand line pulled off. I believe they did the same kind of uh, concept we did was their recruit pulled a line to the front door, their officer and the other firefighter went in for the rescue. Um, we had, they arrive on scene. They had a line to the front door. I hop off with the irons. My captain and I have a brief um, 
discussion with the daughter in, in the front yard. She's saying they believe she's in her room, which is the back side of the house. So we run inside. It was pretty evident uh, early on once we made entrance into the house. There was pretty high heat. Um, there was fire showing. If you walk into the front door and you face and you turn to the right, there's, there becomes a hallway. In that hallway, there was, uh, if you turn left, there was a bedroom all the way to the back. There's a room in the middle, and then there was a, a room to the front. Well, the hallway, the room in the front, and the room in the middle was all on fire. And I remember my captain and I kind of communicating back and forth, remembering it being super hot. At one point, it like pushed us down to our knees, and uh, which there were guys on engine 30 that was searching deeper than we were at that time. It was evident it was very hot in this house. And we had a slight delay in water. There was a, uh, a like a retaining wall that was causing the kink for our hose. So we had, there was a slight delay. So my, I remember my captain going out and kind of assisting with that. Um, once we were able to get water on the fire, uh, we were able to push through through that back bedroom. And uh, I remember walking up, it was myself and the chief's driver, uh, Lieutenant Snell at the time. We make that, we make that push down to the back bedroom. Um, and I remember seeing the walls were charred, the, the door was charred, but it was closed. So we make entrance into this room and uh, Lieutenant Snell makes a left-hand search. I made a right-hand search. Shortly on the search, I found a, a bedroom window. Um, once I found that window, I was able to find a bed and I searched the top of the bed, didn't find anything. I searched beside the bed and underneath the bed is where I found her hand. And it. Uh, after that, it looked like she had thrown a bunch of uh, pillows and blankets on top of her to try and uh, protect herself from the heat. It was still pretty low visibility and it was pretty, pretty high heat. I remember moving those covers over uh, from over her head and she was coherent at the time. It seemed like the thermal layer was, was about bedside height. So she was, she was able to take some breaths without taking in a whole bunch of smoke. Well, um, I remember asking her what her name was and if she was hurting anywhere she told me her name and she said that she was hurting all over and she couldn't move. Um, at that time, I hopped on the radio. You know, I told them victim, 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 located a victim. I believe this is the Charlie side of the house. I've got a window. I need help with extrication. And I think that was important. It brought significant help into that room at a short, short period of time. Lieutenant Snell was, was right on my hip. He, you know, he found me and her. We located that window again. Um, and at that time, our crew members were on the back side of the house. They ended up uh, breaking that window. We kind of hovered over her uh, to kind of protect her from, from the heat and glass and stuff like that. She uh, originally, we were going to flip her, lay her head towards the window, the wall of the window, and then flip her legs out get underneath her shoulders and roll her out of the window. That's how they taught us in the academy. Well, that window was, I'm 6'4", that window was 
bottom of it was chest high for me. So it was a pretty tall horizontal window and half of it was taken up by an AC unit. So it was a pretty narrow, pretty tall window that we had to get her out of. And she, she was a heavier set lady. I'd say she was pushing maybe 300, uh, which was difficult. And once the, once the uh, window and sash was cleared, I remember kind of scratching that idea. It, it was more difficult that way. So we ended up just myself, Lieutenant Snell and another firefighter just ended up grabbing her right each side and getting her out, uh, just lifting her straight out of the window that way. And I think whenever we did that, obviously she was in the elements at that time. She was eating a lot of smoke. She was feeling a lot of heat. We got her out. Crew members on the on the backside started uh, some ALS care, starting an IV, um, giving her a cyano kit, cyanide kit, which just uh, takes the cyanide out of the blood and and converts it into B12. And uh, you know, I remember after that we finished our search, kind of made our way back to the to the back of the house and and uh, continued. Uh, care until we were able to get her into the ambulance she was kind of in and out of consciousness and she suffered second and third degree burns i believe 40 percent of her body and she stayed uh just just over or just under a month in the hospital but she she was able to make a recovery so solid story uh what about um was she like slippery at all to to help lift or I don't really remember it being super slippery. I believe she had uh, like some jeans on or or some pants and and like a pretty long sleeve shirt. Um, so it wasn't wasn't really super slippery. Uh, we got a hold of her pretty pretty easy for the most part. I, I just grabbed a leg and arm. Lieutenant Snell grabbed both arms, and then another firefighter grabbed a leg and arm, and we just lifted her up that way. So nice, dirty window lift, right? Right, right. Uh, what were the conditions in that room uh, once you took out the window? Did they get better? Were you able to isolate by shutting the door or anything, or was that not an option? Um, I feel like I remember trying to isolate the door, but shortly after finding her, uh, people were coming in and stuff like that. So it was pretty hot, pretty high heat. Um, Ladder thirty was actually on top of the roof, cutting a hole at this time. So that that definitely helped with uh, trying to see. Uh, and once that window was was cleared, um, you could that helped as well. It seemed like, but uh, really the my flashlight I remember shining on her hand is what what popped out to me. And you know from then I just grabbed her hand and uh, communicated that way. But um, it was fortunately we were still getting water on the fire, and I believe fire tech was still making an aggressive push. So that definitely helped with with the heat, but I believe, you know, it got into the attic as well, which um, we we were able to get out obviously after the fact. But yeah, there was just a lot of high heat and low visibility until they were able to cut a hole and and kind of clear some of that smoke out for just a second. So nice. Um, did you feel like I mean, you're you're three years in. Did you feel like your training had prepared you for that moment? I do. Um, you know, fortunately enough, our our culture for Oklahoma City's uh pretty aggressive. You know, that's something they teach early on in the academy. And they continue to do that um even after the fact, after your rotations and get your year on. You know, we do 
these things called crew development where, you know, you go down with either surrounding crews or crews that you don't necessarily train with every single day. And you go down there and do company evolutions and it just, it gets your gears turning. It gets you uncomfortable. Um, you learn from each other, stuff like that. And we also do things like train the trainer where um, you're involved in uh, someone teaches a class, say on forcible entry. Well, the the idea of it is you're taught that class on forcible entry and then next time you want to be a participant in teaching the class and then the next one say you're going to be in charge of the class so we do things like that all the time and uh, i remember even in the academy we did a we did a search um into a, a live fire a live burn situation and it was a chainsaw that was taken apart so you had to find all the nuts and bolts and the chain and all this stuff, the bar to put back in the chainsaw, bring it, uh, put it together and, and, and bring it back out. That teaches you, you can't only search with your eyes. You have to search with your hands. So that's pretty harped on. And I believe that, you know, surrounded yourself with good firefighters at the station and the culture we have definitely led to uh, being ready for it. Nice. So you get my wheels turning a little bit on this uh, narrow window, heavy victim. Um, did you think about, or did you and your crew talk about after the fact, if plan A, just grabbing and putting her out didn't work, what your other options were for that removal? Um, We didn't necessarily talk about it after the fact. I think, well, we, we did talk about it after the fact, not necessarily on how to get her out. Uh, we, there was, really no option of bringing her back into the hallway, dragging her out through the front door, just because that's where the main body of fire was leading up into her room. And fortunately enough for her, her room, her door was shut, which is what I think saved her. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate on the department to have uh, a lot of crew members uh, on scene to, to help with victim removal and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a, like I said, a tall window, narrow, uh, narrow space. And we were just fortunate enough to have enough hands on her to, to just muscle her out of the, of the window. Nice. Uh, as you were saying that, I thought of a couple things that I'd learned or seen from people, uh, from Paul Cap Capo, Mike Champo, um, and, and stuff that the brothers in battle teaches on uh taking a door off the hinges and using that as almost a backboard uh gotcha. to be able to get her up just in case you don't have good spot to grab the other yeah. thing i was thinking about what did you say the type of construction was on that so that wood uh, frame? I, yeah wood frame uh so having the option of just doing a window cut down if the crews on the outside are are you know uh, have have some forethought to get those chainsaws ready to maybe cut that and make that window into a door uh so we don't have to do the lift but we could get her out but just some things that i thought about as we uh as we were chatting so i'm sure a lot of the other listeners listeners got some other ideas so definitely i know i know we could also use an attic ladder too had that been uh available you know throw her on the attic ladder and and kind of use that as a lever to to get her up but oh for sure all good stuff so austin this is a fight early on in your career. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, if you get a chance to get a grab, it's a one in a million, you win the lottery. What do you tell people or what do you change in your career moving forward uh, based on this call? 
Uh, the main thing I would say is never stop training. You know, we're at a station where we are, we've got young crew who are super gung-ho about the job. They're not just on the job, but they're into the job. I think it's important just surrounding yourself with like-minded people who want to do better, who want to learn the most on the job. Definitely helps. And, uh, you know, it's important just to get out there and be uncomfortable and to train. I'm not saying go out there and throw ladders every shift, but it's important to, you know, there's so many perishable skills on the job. You may not you may not touch about forcible entry, but every month, once a month or whatever. But when it comes time where you need that forcible entry, you've got a hard door to force, you know, being proficient in those areas definitely help. So that's real good. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing the story of the grab. Um, if uh, any listeners out there get a grab, uh, regardless of the outcome of the uh, of the patient, we want you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey, take that short survey for us, and uh, that information is for us, by us, and that's going to make us collectively better if we're teaching from that and looking and seeing what the trends are. Uh, I've got one thing I'd like to add. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma City actually does a uh, internal survey. It's called the Grabs Survey. And it's piggybacked off of the firefighter rescue survey. And basically we started this back in 2020. Um, and so I think it's important to know back in 2020, since we, since we kicked this off, there were reports of 18 victims total. Uh, 11 of those were grabs. Seven of those were fatalities. 2021, it was 11 victims found. Eight of those were grabs. And three of those were uh, fatalities. And then 2022, there's actually reports of 20, 26 victims. 24 of those were grabs. And then two of those were fatalities. So to put in that perspective, 2020, we saved 61.1% of the victims. 2021 was over 72%. And then 2022 was over, was 92.3% of the victims. So this just tells us that, you know, our our information, our training, uh, our you know dispatch on possible victim location is getting better. Uh, our searches are getting better. Um, and then if you live in Oklahoma City limits, uh, your chance of survival seems to increase every year, which is which is awesome. That's such a cool thing that you guys are doing. I know that the firefighter rescue survey went out nationally, uh, but then you guys took it a step further and said, how can we do our own reporting within and change the information? Uh, we had an episode, I, I think it was on the journeyman where we were talking with Justin about how that looks. And you guys even got the heat map on where grabs are being made, which is just next level stuff. So uh, keep up that good work. And uh, we appreciate you sharing that in the fire service. Uh, and if you're not like a uh, numbers person, but uh, you'd like to just hear the stories to uh, reiterate what we need to be doing in the fire service, uh, that's what here, that's what we're here for with the Grabs podcast. So we try to keep them short. Uh, we may try to make it real easy to record, uh, nothing fancy. And, uh, you know, so if you get a grab, you want to share that story, you can remain completely anonymous if you want. It's not about awards, but we just got to share the information. So you can get a hold of me, Grant Schwalbe, uh, Grant Schwalbe at gmail.com, 239-898-0843. Uh, you can try Justin McWilliams or Nick Ledeen. They're also doing these. But uh, just get that information out there and uh, keep going for them. And until next time, thanks for listening.
Okay. 